2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll pick it up here in verse uh, number 14. I think 2 Timothy somewhere in my Bible. Well, eventually, there it is. Wow. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your wonderful grace. Thank you, Lord, for the warmer weather we've had lately. And we do thank you for it. Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, the ease of travel so far and, uh, in this northern Michigan winter. Father, I pray that you'd help us now. I pray that you'd open our eyes and may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And Father, I pray that you'd give us exactly what we need. We need something today. Uh, and every time we meet, Lord, we need something. I pray you'd help us to get it in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse number 14, the Bible says, uh, he's talking to Timothy. He says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. That's a great passage. He's uh, assuring Timothy. He's like, hey. You know, continue, keep going, keep going, keep growing, uh, keep going in the things that you've learned. And uh, as you know, of course, in chapter 3, it's, uh, the context is the end days. And we know that the end days are here. Uh, they're coming and they're here in a sense. And Timothy knows this. He knows that what he learned from Paul was right. And you can see that in the verse. It says, and has been assured of. Amen. In these last days, we ought to be assured of what we know. Amen. And in these last days, we should never get to the point where we just rest on our haunches, as some people would say, or just assume because we like someone's personality, uh, maybe in the pulpit, that he's telling the truth. You have to be assured uh, of what that individual is saying. And a lot of deception in the last days takes place because Christians enjoy the personality of the speaker. Um, I tell people I'm not a speaker, I'm a preacher. Amen. I didn't come to speak to you. I think that's kind of that's showmanship. That's, uh, that's modern day evangelicalism. They have speakers and uh, I'm a preacher. But even your favorite preacher, whoever it is, you need to make sure that you don't turn off your senses. You have to be assured of it. That means you have to check it out. Amen. And uh, a, guy can, uh, a guy can lead you in the wrong direction and not intend to do it. Because in the last days, people are deceivers and at the same time, they're being deceived. Now, we're not casting a, a doubt on Paul. I'm just saying you've got to make sure that you don't unplug yourself and get lazy in these last days. No matter what anybody preaches or says, specifically me and anything, anyone that steps behind this pulpit, uh, yes, I'm going to make sure there's a burning bush if they get behind the pulpit, amen. I'm going to make sure the Lord uh, has given me the green light to put them here, but you still got to check them out. And the Bible says that uh, Timothy had been assured of what Paul had said, and that tells me if I'm assured of something, then I can't be changing midstream. Amen? Now, if the Lord's going to teach you and learn you and ground you, you can't be changing midstream. And all of a sudden decide, well, you know, I think the fishing's really better over here. Now, if you're assured of what God's teaching you and you're getting grounded, then you need to stop it. Stop changing, stop switching streams and uh, keep changing your mind. And Timothy wasn't supposed to be changing what he was believing. He was supposed to stick with it. 
Now look at verse uh, 14 again. I'm going to show you this. So we left off on this. Paul doesn't think a whole lot of himself. I'll show you this. He says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. You see that first part there? And he's talking about what? He's talking about the scriptures. And uh, he says, and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Now Paul's not putting himself, puffing himself up. He's not putting himself on a pedestal here. What he's doing is according to first or Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 5, He's given a shout out to his mother and his grandmother. Never forget those who teach you the Bible. Amen. And if they do it right, then uh, you need to be you need to remember that. And he uh, he's uh, and Timothy learned these things from his mother and his grandmother. And here Paul steps out of the way. And that's kind of where we left off. He steps out of the way in this passage here, and he does that. Number one, he steps out of the way to show Timothy that his grandmother and his mother were right. And he steps out of the way uh, that because they still had the same book that they had back then. And that's something you got to remember. If the book that you come up with is the old King James Bible and it's the one that Grandma had, why would you change it? I don't understand that. I, I don't understand that at all. Well, you know, they say it's, well, what are you listening to they for? <laughs> Who are they anyways? Right? I don't understand why you would change books. Why would change the, the very Bible you got saved under? I don't understand why some of these preachers would change, the, you know, change, get, go to a different book. Is it just so they could be accepted by more people? That book saved my soul. That's the engrafted word. I don't want to change it. Especially, we're not even going to get into the fact that they're not the same. And Paul says the things you learned as a child, you learned from the book. And that's the one he's got. And the things you learned from me, you learned from the book, he's telling him. He says, you learned it from your mother, you learned it from your grandmother, and now you're learning it from me, and it's the same book. And so what Paul does here is he steps out of the way, and he pushes the book up high. And that's what you and I need to learn to do in life. You need to give that book more credit. You need to get out of the way and push the book up high. And uh, that's a problem with uh, a number of preachers today. Uh, and any preacher can fall into the pitfalls of this. And the problem with a lot of preachers is they want you to look at them instead of look at the book. I'll be the first one to tell you, and I'm not being false in humility, but I ain't much to look at. <laughs> now, look, I understand there are people with a great personality and the ability to orate, and they can captivate, and they even open with good jokes. Most of the time when I try to tell a joke, it's a flop. But I'll tell you what I do have. I have been given time. You have taken your time. I'm not going to waste it with jokes. And I have the best thing in the world to give to you, and that's the Word of God. I might not be anything in and of myself, and I understand that, but I have the best Bible in the world, the best book, living book to give you. That's what's important. And uh, but if, I, if I hear a decent joke that's okay for the pulpit, I'll probably send it your way and ruin it at the same time. Amen? But uh, a lot of preachers want you to look at them. and so the, A lot of preachers want you to understand how long they've been at it. <laughs> you know what I know? I might have stepped in a while back, but I got a long way to go. I really do. So whether or not you know how long I've been in it, right, it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is this is you need to be fed, I need to be fed, and the Holy Spirit needs to be present when the feeding's going on. I don't need to continually verify my credibility or existence as a preacher. It doesn't really matter. 
Uh, if, if that's the case, why don't you all take time to do that too? I mean, when church members come up to the preacher, the church member doesn't go, I just want to let you know I've been a member here for 30 years. <laughs> but for whatever reason, some preachers like to, when they get in, in the pulpit and Paul's not this way, they're verifying their very existence. But Paul's getting out of the way and he's pushing the book up. And that's what you got to remember. And a man that will make you look at him before he'll make you look at the book, he's not the right type of minister, and you got to get a hold of that. And uh, the, the handful of men we have here, I hope, if they see me trying to push myself up and verify my credentials and credibility of how long I've been doing this and how good I seem to be, I hope they come talk to me. You say, why? Because I think you're in a rut. But as long as we're pushing up this book and getting out of the way and giving God all the glory, I think we're doing the right thing. I mean that when I say that. I'm just not saying that so I can, you know, go off and do whatever I jolly well please. I mean, if it gets to the point where I have to verify my own existence, you men better come talk to me and say, Preacher, you, you okay? You fall down, you bump your head or something? You know, you need some aspirin or something? You need a couple days off? You say, why? Well, it's not about you, preacher. It's about the Lord and the book. Oh, that's right. Let me get back on track. Preachers are not, preachers are not immune from getting stuck in ruts. Don't you get stuck in ruts? Amen. So do I. Uh, verse 15. The Bible says that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And, of course, these uh, scriptures are given by inspiration of God. Uh, notice these scriptures here. It's the scriptures that are able to make thee wise, the Bible says. You see that? You want true wisdom? It's going to come from the book that's in your lap. Now, here's some things I want to give you the scriptures can do for you. I was going to bring out the board, but I've got, you know, term paper written all over it in the back there, and I don't, I'm not through it yet, so I don't want to erase that board, so I'll just... Trust, they're not very long. You can pencil them down or, or whatever. You can file them in the back recesses of your memory, whatever you want to do with it, but it's good stuff, amen? Number one, I want to give you this thing here in Acts chapter 20. If you look at Acts 20, verse 32, I want you to realize and see and let the Holy Spirit teach you that the Scriptures are able to build you up, build you up. You know, this is what this world wants to do. Uh, any job you go to, you know, if they're constantly pushing, if it's a decent job, they want you to get better at it. And they want you to develop yourself. I'm so sick and tired of hearing about personal development, personal development, continuing education, continuing education. But that's a fact of life. Uh, you, you have to, and here's, here's why this country is not very good at it as a whole, is because they now think that you're a pretty good person. But it's the opposite. And I'm not going to preach this morning's message here, but you realize you're not getting better. So therefore becomes the need to try to better yourself, even if it's on a physical level. Your body's not getting any better, so therefore bodily exercise profiteth little. Well, don't do a whole lot. Okay, well, take the little it'll give you. Why? Because you, you're going to die sooner. <laughs> Amen. If you don't change the oil every once in a while, you're going to burn up. <laughs> Acts chapter 20, verse 32, the Bible says, And now, brethren... I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. So this book right here, listen now, as a Christian, it can make you grow. The scriptures can build you up. It can make you grow. And you've seen that in your own life, haven't you? 
There have been times in your Christian life where you've been very hungry, you've been, uh, been ravenous for the Word of God. And the more you read it, the more you grow and the stronger you get. But yet, the less you read the Scriptures, the weaker you get. You say, why is that? Because the Scriptures is what builds you up. And it says, uh, the word of His grace, which is able to build you up. Not only that, uh, if you want another one here, there's actually two in this passage. You know what that book will do? That book will give you an inheritance on the other side. I mean, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe when your parents kick off... Uh, you're, uh, you're going to get all kinds of things and money and stocks and bonds and don't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh, but maybe when your parents kick off, you're just going to be like, well, uh, the time we had with them was rich, but that's it. <laughs> Amen. But that uh, verse right there says that the scriptures are able to give you a what? An inheritance. Now, if that Bible says that the Word is able to not only build you up, but give you an inheritance, you ever wonder why it is that probably, I'm speaking ambiguously here, that so many Christians are going to get to the judgment seat of Christ, and they're going to be flat broke like Lot was. Remember when Lot came out of Sodom, he had nothing. He had his two daughters. He didn't even get his wife out with him. And that's a picture of a judge, that's a, that's a picture of Lot uh, fleeing Sodom and the Lord burning up Sodom. That's a picture or a type of a believer going through the judgment seat of Christ and losing everything. And if that verse says that uh, the word is able to build you up, it'll help you grow and it'll give you an inheritance, there's no reason why you and I should be flat broke at the judgment seat of Christ. Do you see that? Now, I'm not going to go into any more detail than that, but I'm just saying, man, I mean, here, here it is. I mean, this is better than any pension plan, any 401k or 403b, or better than the stock market. The, see, the stock market always fluctuates, but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today forever. Uh, so that book, it's, uh, it'll grow you. The scriptures uh, are able to build you up and give you uh, an inheritance. So here's the second one, number two. The scriptures are able to regenerate you. 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1. We have such an inexhaustible resource, and we have such a uh, valuable resource in our lap, sometimes it's like we forget it. We just forget it. I don't know, maybe you, uh, you, uh, you own something very valuable. I mean, just look at the, I hate to even say this, but look at your phone, not like right now. <laughs> But you know, most phones, uh, if they're, let's say if they're an iPhone, they're over $1,000. That's pretty valuable. And we just leave it laying around. Now, if you had $1,000 uh, you know, in a little money band that said 1000 bucks, would you just throw it on the kitchen counter? Would you throw it uh, on the dash and leave it there? Would you, you, know, you see what I mean? Would you throw it on the pew and just leave $1,000? But we do that. Why? We forget how valuable things are. Amen. Some of uh, some of y'all have jewelry uh, worth a lot of money, and uh, you don't think nothing of it sometimes. And all of a sudden, you look at that ring or that whatever pendant or whatever it is, and missing a stone. You're like, oh, <laughs> you forgot how valuable it was. But scriptures are able to regenerate you. The Bible says in First Peter one twenty, being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth. And abideth forever. And that, uh, that book is able to regenerate you. 
It's able to regenerate you. It's able to bring about the new birth. That's number three. Look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verse 18. James chapter 1 and verse 18. Brother James here says, Of his own will begat he us with good works, right? That's not what that says. All right, let's try it again. Of his own will begat he us with the baptism in the, in the pool. Name ain't what that says either. James 1.18 says, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. See that? That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. I want you to see that this book is so valuable, it is so supernatural, that it's able to bring about the new birth. It's able to bring about the new birth. Let me tell you what, without this book, you can't be saved. The Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And you need the word of God to be saved. I'll give you number four. The scriptures are able to do many things in life. But here's how about this. The scripture able to strengthen you and make you strong. Look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Kind of like the first one we went over, build you up. But the scriptures here is able to make you strong. Psalm 119 verse verse 28. David says here in Psalm 119 verse 28, My soul... Melteth for heaviness. You ever get like that? <laughs> Man, everything's just heavy. Those used to say back in the hippie age, oh, heavy, man, heavy. <laughs> All the drugs around probably. But at any rate, my soul melteth for heaviness. But look what David says. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. And in life of Christian, you're not careful. You'll try to strengthen yourself by any other means possible. You'll try to strengthen it through friendships. Amen? You'll try to strengthen it through family relationships. I'm not saying those aren't valuable. Those are good things. But they're temporal things. And some people try to strengthen their, uh, their life through purchases. Right? Uh, I mean, face it, in Laodicea, in uh, Revelation chapter 3, you know what the Lord says about us? That we think that we have need of nothing. Because we're rich and increased with goods. I mean, we got so much, we don't know how blind we are. Uh, That must be why the poor folk back in the day uh, possibly had a little bit better relationship with the Lord. (laughs) Because they didn't have anything. They said to lean on the Lord. And now we've got, uh, and I'm thankful for my little hut. (laughs) That song, My Little Hut, (laughs) I'll Just Let It Be. My little house, you know, you know, uh, and uh, just, you know, one bathroom, you know, wood stove. Thankful for it. Why? I mean, a lot of times, the more you get, the more you forget what God's given you. But uh, that book's uh, able to strengthen you. He says, strengthen thou me according to thy word. Now, if your physical strength, now here's, here's a litmus test for you. If your physical strength had to depend on how much Bible you read this week, would you have been able to walk into church today? Now, think about that for a minute. David says, strengthen thou me according to thy word. If your physical strength had to depend on your spiritual aptitude of reading the Word of God, could you have come to church? I reckon some Christians wouldn't have been able to get out of bed, amen. Uh, And I'm sure you're not that way. I'm sure we're the opposite way here. But notice this number five. The Scriptures are able to warn you. The Scriptures are able to warn you about problems. Don't you like to be warned about every time we go home, ever since the kids started driving, 
if we see Smokey Bear or 5 or whatever it is, a police officer, and, you know, pass us, I'm like, you're text your son, text, text your daughter. You know, why? Just in case they got a hot foot that moment, right? Don't you like to be warned? Woo-woo. <laughs> I mean, when I drove, uh, when I was driving the big old box truck back in the 90s, we all had our CBs. That was a big deal, you know, breaker, breaker, one nine, you know. You know, we got ourselves a convoy. But anyways, and sure enough, there'd be someone, all right, you know, exit 222, there's a smoky bear there. You better be careful, you know. And I just like to be warned. But that's what the Bible does. The more you read that Bible, it'll warn you. Look what it says here, Psalm 19, verse 11. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them, there is great reward. The more you read the Bible... Uh, the more your response will be like the Bible. You see that? It'll warn you. And the more you read the book, the more you get familiar with how God deals with the situation. There's a, a handful of verses and what we're going to try to preach this morning. They're just boring. Let's just face it, they're boring. But you know, the more you read it, you realize that God's into repetition. You know what you and I hate? <laughs> repetition. <laughs> we hate doing things over. <clears throat> but that's how God teaches us. And the scriptures, the more you read them, the more you get warnings from them. I wonder if there's some difficulty that you and I... Now, look, I understand that afflictions are appointed. Amen? You're going to go through it. But I wonder if we read more Bible. I'm just throwing it out there. If we could have got a little bit of a warning that something was coming. You ever follow someone too closely? And uh, next thing you know, they hit an, uh, a possum or something. Possum should be the state animal in Michigan, not the turkey. <laughs> They're dead all over the place, you know. And you're following so close that you hit the thing too. <laughs> Would you like a little warning? I think they should come up with the, you know, we're so advanced in technology, they should, uh, they should put a little reader board on the back of each vehicle. <laughs> I'm getting ready to hit the brake, you know, so you can see it. <laughs> but the scriptures are able to warn you about problems and things coming up. How about this one? Number six, the scriptures are able to comfort you. Look at Romans 15. Now, if the scriptures are able to comfort us, and I know we're going to go through difficult times as a Christian, no doubt about it, amen, and there's going to be sorrows, and there's going to be heartaches, and there's going to be uh, difficult times, but if the scriptures are able to comfort you, could it not be that maybe through those times of difficulty that we could spend maybe a little bit more time in the Bible and get refilled sooner? Uh, I, I know, I understand depression is real. Uh, I, I do know about depression. I have been depressed. Um, and usually when I'm depressed, I will depress everyone in my home. That's just the way it is. And man, if you don't understand that, you better get a hold of that now. If you're the, if you're the man and you walk around your house depressed, you will depress or infuriate everybody in your house. Amen? <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> But look at first uh, Romans 15, 4. You know, a guy, he sees uh, uh, his wife or someone else, say, hey, honey, what's wrong? Nothing. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> he goes out and does work. Why? That's just the way guys may. But when a guy's depressed, a woman will go, honey, what's wrong? Nothing. You're a bad liar. <laughs> and she'll just be like, she'll just gravitate towards it. And then finally, when you decide to get over whatever it is that's tripping your trigger, She'll still be upset about it. All right, Romans 15, 4. The Bible says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our 
learning, here it is, that we through patience and comfort of the Scripture might have hope. Now here's the thing, a little bit more reading the Scriptures, a little bit more time spending the Bible, we could have some more comfort in our lives. Now look, this is a, one old preacher said, it's a, it's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room, right? And we are in Laodicea, so we like to be entertained. Amen. Just in our nature, everything has moved toward that direction. We have to be entertained. It has to be top-notch. It has to be top-dollar. But here's the thing. Maybe if we read the Bible more, spend a little bit more time in the Scriptures, or maybe, maybe it's not just reading the Bible. Maybe it's just meditating in it more. Maybe you take what you're going to read for the day, and you actually try to think about it during the day. Novelty, right? Maybe you can get comforted by it. Maybe you write a verse or two, one verse that really stood out, and you just write it down on a three-by-five card or something, and you just carry that thing around. Every time you think about it, you pull it out and read it, and say, oh, it sure is good, ain't it? <laughs> Amen. And it'll give you comfort. How about this one, uh, number seven? The scriptures are able to admonish you. Admonish you, 1 Corinthians. By the way, that's, uh, I didn't write down one particular verse. Uh, that's all through 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 11. You say, what does admonish mean? Well, that means uh, to notify you of a fault. Amen? Parents are good at that, right? I mean, if there's something that you've done wrong, your mom and dad will let you know. They're not, most, most parents, most parents are, I don't know, maybe I'm the oddball, right? I mean, you go to school and see these knotheads come to school, and you don't think their parents ever tell them they do anything wrong. You know what I mean? But uh, a good parent will uh, be good at admonishing. Admonishing, why? I don't want you to turn out to be a bum, right? They want you to turn out right. They want you to do uh, something with your life and, and, and not be a, a leech on society. But that word admonish means to notify you of a fault. That's what the scriptures do to you, right? Uh, it means to reprove with mildness. Now, I don't know about you. I've read the Bible a number of times, but I've never read the Bible and go, man, that Bible just beat me up today. Usually it's pretty mild, isn't it? And if it's that strong, you what, what do you do? I know what you do. You shut that thing up for a few days. <laughs> Enough of that. <laughs> That's what you do. Um, to reprove with mildness, how about this? To instruct or direct, to advise or caution. You know what a lot of reading of the Bible is? Just, just an advisement. You better not do that. You better stay away from that. You better think about that. You better check that out. Are you listening? Are you hearing me? I'm, that's, what the Bible, that's what the Bible says, you know. Are, are you paying attention? That's what your parents would say, right? Are you listening to me? That's what the Holy Spirit, are you listening? And you're like, uh, what? What did you say? But how about this one? Look at, uh, I'll give you the last one here. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6 is number 8. You know, the scriptures are able to nourish you. <coughs> now, this is all important. What a wonderful book we have. It'll comfort you, it'll build you, it'll strengthen you, it admonishes you. And by the way, if the, if, if the Lord's admonishing you through the scriptures, uh, then you're not going to be half as irritated when someone else tries to do it. I mean, the Bible says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. The boss comes up to you and gives you the nth degree, and you've been faithful in reading the Bible and been in the scriptures and been thinking about it and the Lord's constantly admonishing you, that's not going to 
that's not going to irritate you as bad as if you don't get the admonishment through the week and then someone says, hey, you're not, hey, who do you think you are? Right? Yeah, that's a litmus test right there. When someone tells you, tries to tell you something of something that you're doing and you just like lose it, you know what I know? Probably haven't been reading the Bible too much because every time I read that book, it's talking to me. What do you think of that, Evans? Well, try not to, but now you're making me, you know. But uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, look at verse 6. Now that's a litmus test for this generation of Laodicean Christians. A preacher will get up and he'll preach, and if he's honest, and if he raises his voice, or God forbid he gets sarcastic to prove a point, you know, because we are now the Pollyanna people. Everyone blows a gasket. Why? Because the book's not been admonishing them. They don't think they're doing anything wrong. And, and they think when they go in that little room with the moon and the star that it don't stink in there. But it does. All right, 1 Timothy 4, 6. That was a pastoral way of putting it there, amen. 4, 6, the Bible says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, by the way, verse 5, sanctified by the what? The word of God in prayer. Now he says, Thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things. Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith. You see that? That book in your lap can nourish you. And I know you know this, but I want to cover these real quick once again since we're here. You have a Bible that will nourish you, as in feed your very soul. I look at this in Proverbs 25, 11. We're talking about nourishment. I mean, don't you like to? This is... Tis the season not to be jolly, but tis the season to eat, right? Everywhere you go, someone's doing something. And if you don't like food around the holidays, I doubt you're human. Uh, or else you have just an extreme amount of willpower that maybe you ought to write a book and I'll buy it, amen. Now look at Proverbs 25, 11. You know these verses inside and out, and I say that because we've covered them ad nauseum for the last nine years. Now that wasn't me trying to give myself credibility. I just know how many times uh, I've covered this with y'all. Bible says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. So when you read this Bible, sometimes you know what it's like? It's like a fresh, crisp apple. There was a day where I could bite into a fresh, crisp apple, and it was pretty enjoyable, amen. Now i got to cut it up. <laughs> you say, why? <laughs> you know, the tea thing, you know. But reading that book sometimes, like, not like this sour, you know, Granny Smith thing that isn't all the way right, but a fresh, like a Macintosh. One of those apples, what's one of the apples they snap? Is that like a Macintosh or a, what is it, a Red Delicious? Honeycrisp, yeah, them are good. And you just bite right in, nice and cold, you're like, ah. Like, you know, food crack there or something. But anyways, but reading that Bible is like a fresh, crisp apple. That'll nourish you. I wonder if we ate more apples than, you know, you know, pecan pies and Fruit Loops and Lucky Charms, you know. You know, anyways, uh, how, how that do for us physically. But anyways, I'll look at First uh, Peter chapter 2. Reading that book, it nourishes you. It nourishes you. You know, sometimes maybe you got a minute or two and you're stuck in a doctor's office. Go ahead and uh, just have a crisp apple. You see what I mean? Now, I don't, how long does it take you to eat an apple? Five minutes max? Yeah? Yeah, right? You see what I mean? There's the application. It don't take very long to eat an apple. 
Yeah, unless you have to gum it to death or something, you know. <laughs> but the point is, an apple is like a snack, right? And maybe sometimes during the day you just need a snack. There it is, word fitly spoken. Now here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it talks about milk, right? Or milk, however you say that. If you're, it's, it's, I think it should have been spelled M-E-L-K, right? 1 Peter 2, 2. Bible says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So it nourishes you. Uh, what is it? Uh, they say milk, it does the body good, right? Uh, unless you're lactose intolerant. There's a lot of Christians that are lactose intolerant. Amen? Every time they, uh, they have a glass of milk, they get a tummy ache. They have gas, they mess themselves, and they, they squalor, and they, make a, they just make a big old racket. Why? They can't even handle the milk, or they drink too much milk, and they got boo-hoo syndrome and all that, and always fussing and crying, and got diaper rash, and they need ointment or something, you know. They need change, and you know what I mean. But that's the Bible. That thing will nourish you. How about 1 Corinthians chapter 3? Now, familiar ground, but let, it, uh, let the familiarity uh, help you out here. Sometimes during the week, you know, we just haven't been eating like we should. And you, you fill up on junk food. That's why your parents wouldn't let you eat before meals when you were younger, because you would, and you'd ruin your appetite. A lot of Christians, they come to church, got no appetite, because they've been eating the world's junk all through the week. And I'm not saying that's you. But look here, verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, that's babish, as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. So there it is. So that nourishment sometimes is meat. Sometimes you need the tougher stuff. Uh, sometimes you need the stuff on uh, the Holy Spirit. You see what I mean? I would say that's a little bit more uh, to process. A little bit more to process than for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. All right, he said, I've fed you with milk, not with meat, for hitherto you are not able to bear it. And you know all the applications with that. I'll let's just move right on. How about uh, Matthew chapter 4? So sometimes you need a glass of milk. Sometimes in your Christian life, uh, during the week, you really need to sit down uh, to some steak. And you need to study. And you need to, uh, that studying is like eating meat sometimes. You know why? You got to plan it. Because <laughs> you're going to eat steak, it's going to take some time. And you got to make sure you chew it, and don't you don't cut it in really big pieces. Matthew chapter four, look at verse four. Now, to me, a steak is a weird thing. It has to. It, it's it's either perfect or it's not. You know what I mean? Uh, I I hate to say this. I've probably eaten more terrible steaks in my life than perfect steaks, but they're still good. It's not perfect, but you got a perfect steak in your lap. <laughs> Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. There it is, that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You see, that book is like bread, and it'll nourish you. And there ain't nothing like walking in inside. I remember as a kid, I'd walk in, and Mom had, there's this, you know, she used to make bread, uh, and then all of a sudden they had the bread makers, and they popped up all over the place, and, you know, and, the big old machine that puts out this little tiny loaf of bread that looked like a basketball. I don't care what it looked like. When it was freshly out of the bread maker, it slathered with butter. That was pretty good stuff. I can smell it right now. Not literally, but in my mind. But uh, that book will nourish you like a, 
like a slice of hot bread. And of course, if you're going to have bread, go to Psalm 119. You've got to have some honey to go with it. Now, not everything in this book is sweet, amen? But this book is like honey. And if you want some instant energy, then you have some honey. Psalm 119, verse 9. Now, this is what the scriptures can do for you. I don't think we tap into what the scriptures can really do for us many times. We just, uh, we just get in the rut of trying to do things on our own. We forget the Bible's there. And then we get in such a bad situation. The Lord has to rest us and kind of, uh, don't you wish that you could just kind of like have a little feeding tube of the Bible? But that doesn't require any effort, does it? You don't have to chew it. You don't have to watch what you eat. You're just, oh, somebody else feed me. Look at verse 103. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to thy mouth. Isn't that good? That word of God is like honey. Nothing will nourish you better than some bread, butter, and honey. <laughs> the good stuff. Amen. And, of course, how can we forget? Look at Proverbs chapter 25. Give you the last one I see here. You can't forget that your body is made 75% out of water. That's hard to believe. That's why I say to people, say, oh, you need to lose some weight, preacher. I say, no, I just need to lose, just water weight, you know. It's 75% water. <laughs> Proverbs 25, 25. Now check this out. The Bible says, as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is what? Good news from a far country. You know what you got in your lap? You got good news. And I tell you what, uh, I couldn't tell you the last time I watched uh, the news on the television. If it was, it was by accident, you know what I mean? But uh, every once, I think every once in a while it will be on or something, and, and the boys will be like, you're watching the news? I'm like, how do you know? Because it's depressing. <laughs> There's nothing good on the news. You never say, oh, it's Channel 5 News, and we're just here to report how wonderful everybody is in Saginaw today. Usually, if it's the news, it's like five more dead bodies found in your mother-in-law's basement, you know, and you're going to be the next one or something like that. But that Bible says as good news, and that's what you got in your lap, good news to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. That's cold water. So the scriptures are able to nourish you. Now, isn't that a blessing? I just, we just give you like 15 things the scripture is able to do, or, or, or eight of them, and then nourish them. You break it down into food. Now look at verse 16. Go back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We need to finish this here in about four minutes. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'll pick it up in 15 and go into 16. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. That's why you need to bring your kids to church, by the way. Amen. Uh, which are able to make thee wise in the salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And uh, I say bring them to church and make them sit under the preaching. Amen. Now we have junior church for the real young'uns there. But after that, man, they need to hear the preaching. You got all these groups around town, and I don't care how they do it, and they can administrate however they want. But you know what the point is? They pull everybody out. And you don't know what your kid's getting. and no idea. You know what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. Some of them are in the back playing stinking Mario Kart. What'd you do at church? I play video games. Well, you do that all week long, you idiot. <laughs> you need to be under the preaching. <laughs> Amen. Could see it really. <laughs> Verse 16, the Bible says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. 
You see that? Now that word inspiration simply means God breathed. God breathed, the breath of God. Notice that Bible says that that uh, book is profitable. All scripture is profitable. I'll give you this statement. It's not very, it's kind of profound. All truth in your lap is absolute truth. But not all truth is complete truth. And that's why you have to rightly divide. All truth is absolute truth. That means what you're reading is true. But you're going to have to study to get the complete truth. Amen. All right. Now, some of these hyper-dispensational kooks say that you can only profit from Paul's writings. And to which we say to them, we don't care. You can profit from anything in the Bible. If you're a hyper-dispensationalist, uh, we think you need to catch up and uh, uh, profit from the Old Testament as well. All Scripture is profitable, whether it's historical, doctrinal, or practical. It says, uh, it says all Scripture is profitable for doctrine. So I'll just give you quick examples here as we uh, close shop here. If it's profitable for doctrine, a good example would be the book of Romans. Solid doctrine all the way through. It says it's profitable for reproof. Well, that's the book of Galatians. Book of Galatians. Paul in the book of Galatians says, you've done something wrong. And the Judaizers try to get everyone to go back under the law. That whole book not only is doctrine, but it's reproof. You did something wrong. And then Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.16, that book is, uh, all scripture is profitable for correction. You know, two books in the Bible are good for correction. It's First and Second Corinthians. He is chewing them out at every venture. He's got a whole chapter given to haircuts. He's given a couple chapters to all their behaviors and messing around in church and many things. The whole thing is just like a giant swap fest. Whoosh, whoosh, all the way through, he's trying to straighten them out because they're wrong. And then Paul says, uh, for instruction in righteousness. Consider this for a second. If you look at the New Testament, that'd be Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All those books, they're edifying words of instructions to believers. Now, why did God give us the scriptures? Look at verse 17 and we'll close. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. In other words, he's everything he, he needs in God's word to perfect his ministry, to perfect his life, perfect his home, his finances, his health, and every other facet you can think of in your life. And what do you need to be perfect? Well, verse 17 tells you. You need the Bible. We're not talking about a sinless perfection. We're talking about a striving for perfection. But the Bible is what you need, and the Bible it is that will clean you up. All right. And that will do chapter 3.